0: I am the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here, from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book it's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am joined by Lou Yurick, and Lou is a certified eating psychology coach and body image mentor, and I am so excited for our conversation today. So, Lou, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah, you're welcome. I was, before we hit or even got on the Zoom, I was trying to remember, like, how I even came up, like, I feel like I came across your Instagram profile And then I was like, I want to talk with this girl. I like, I like your message.
1: (laughs) So I'm very excited just to learn from you today. Thanks. And then I disappeared from Instagram for six months (laughs) for my own reasons. So yes, Yes. (laughs) Yes. which is
0: important. Like I think, I mean, I know what, you know, what I preach to clients about social media is like, it can be good, but it also taking breaks and even getting off social media altogether can be exactly what people need. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would love if you just took a minute or, however long you want to just introduce yourself, um, tell our listeners a little more
1: about kind of who you are and, and what you do. Sure. So like you said, I'm a certified eating psychology coach and body image mentor and what that basically means is I work primarily with women around helping them find food freedom, befriend their bodies and move the hell on with their lives. Is what I yeah, like to say, which ultimately comes down to teaching them how to eat intuitively and connect with and create a friendship or more of a relationship with their body versus like a controlling Mm. sort of dictatorship with their body. And because they're not spending so much mental and emotional energy on controlling food, on manipulating and micromanaging their body, they're actually able to get into their lives and invest in the places in the world, in their personal relationships, and in their relationship with their own self that they want to right now, instead of waiting on, you know, hitting a certain size or weight or eating a certain way or, getting a certain calorie deficit before they can go out and live the lives they want to live. So I really help them to be present in their lives and in their joy right now. And in doing so that helps the food and body stuff kind of melts away, mm-hmm. but also in working mm-hmm. through the food and body stuff, it helps their life to really rise up to being right in front of them and at their fingertips mm-hmm. as I well. I love, I love all of that because yeah, I think I see so often people think like,
0: okay, I'll, do this. I'll pursue my dreams. I'll travel more. I'll, you know, whatever their goals and aspirations are once I like hit this body size or once I feel more confident in my body. And, and so doing that work to help people befriend their body and knowing like, you can do all of that right now. Like you can be confident in your body. And, and I'm sure you see this as well with people like losing weight or getting to that specific size, isn't even going to bring you the confidence that you think it will. Mm, that's good. Right. Um, so how did you get yeah. into that as far as working as a eating
1: psychology coach and body image
0: work, um,
1: the work you do? Sure. I mean, I'll try to keep this short because I could tell this story uh, for a really long time and I have on yeah. other podcasts and other outlets. So people can check that out there. Uh, I'll just give you the Cliff's note version, which is that I grew up really at peace with food in my body and having a enjoyable relationship with both and a supportive relationship with both. And I had a family and an upbringing that allowed me to do that, which is unlike so many people that we come across and encounter. And through a family health crisis, once I was an adult and a mother, um, my husband was going through something. I also have a daughter who had some health issues and In that process, I was looking for something to control really, you know, and I I say this in Mm -hmm. retrospect at the time, I wouldn't have been able to put all the pieces together. But so I was like, you know what, as somebody who has moved my body when I wanted to and eaten what I've wanted to, rested when I wanted to, enjoyed the things I wanted to all my life, why not just try to go on my very first diet and my very first popular exercise program And I did that. So it was basically Mm -hmm. like a three month exercise program that came with a quote unquote nutrition guide. And I followed it to a T I am a former certified Mm -hmm. public accountant. I am type a perfectionist by nature. And so I was like, Oh, I'll make a spreadsheet (laughs) for this. And I will do this like without fail. And that's what I did. And in the, in the three months that I went through that process, I, I, did lose weight that my body did not want to or desire to lose at all. I Mm, lost my period Uh, metabolic function. My thyroid function really declined. I ended up having a lot of health issues uh, based on The experience and getting out of that was harder. I lost a lot of things, right? But I also gained an eating disorder. So getting out of that was a lot harder than I had anticipated. I was kind of like, I'm going to do this for three months and then move on. And Mm -hmm. instead, after the three months was over, I was like, oh, well, since I can be this small, I should be this small. Since I can eat this little, I should always eat Mm -hmm. this little. Since I can work out this hard, I should always be pushing my body to these extremes. And I really started you know, the classic shutting all over myself about how I should look and be and show up in yeah. the world. And then I, I continued to restrict more and work out more in this effort to control, which then, you know, classic case of restrict binge cycle. And I began binging as well. And it took me yeah. about a year and a half, two years to get out of that process, to get the help I needed both medically and with a coach that I hired myself to walk me through reconnecting with my body and with food. And again, I say this as somebody who had never dieted before and never, never went into some rigorous exercise program before or really thought Mm -hmm. much. I really didn't think much about my body at all before that experience. And it really took me into this years long process of recovery But through that process of recovery, I realized that my story, as unique as it felt to me, wasn't all that unique. And I did have a history of of helping others. And and Mm -hmm. I was in other counseling and helping situations and roles before I decided that what I wanted to do was get a certification in eating psychology and mind body nutrition, mentor with some really great people when it came to things like life coaching and body image and intuitive eating and so I did that and then I opened up my own practice and I've been doing this since 2015. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think and you even
0: mentioned it of thinking, you know, your story's so unique and I even see that, I mean, all the time even with people who've dieted their whole life thinking like they're the only ones who have been, you know, put on diets from age 8. And knowing like, I th- I just think your story brings important awareness to like disordered eating and eating disorders can come up at any time in our life. And even if we've never dieted and then decide to start a diet on a whim, like it can be in a- dieting, I feel like can be such a slippery slope into disordered eating and an eating disorder. And so I think your story helps to shed light on that yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. What I always hope all listeners and anyone that I encounter, Knows and learns is that even one diet, any diet, mm. all diets, mm. really, they people think of that they just have the effects of like, well, I'm going to lose weight or, you know, yeah. this is, or I'm eating these things. So I'm getting these nutrients or I have this macro balance or whatever. No, there are psychobiological effects of mm-hmm. any encounter we have with restricting food or depriving ourselves of, Mm. of caloric energy. And it does not matter if it's one diet or 10 or it's lifelong. Like you will have psychobiological effects. And what that ends up being for at least 25% of diet participants is development of an eating disorder. So it's not to be messed with, I will say.
0: Yeah. And even like you mentioned, I think you said the diet you went on was like three months. So it's not, I mean, three months can sound like a long time, but it's really not that long of a time. So it's not even like you have to be on a diet for two years for it to impact you. It can be as short as, you know, a 30-day challenge. And and like you mentioned, I I feel like a lot of times when people kind of take that like first step into a diet, sometimes their intentions are like, of like, well, I just, or they, I guess they think they're pure of like, well, I just right. need to get healthy. I just need to like lose weight or whatever the motivator may be, but it just can so easily slip into so much more, especially like you mentioned, when there's such a deeper layer there, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, why do you feel like you need to lose weight or get quote unquote healthier? It's probably stemming from some other outside circumstances, this need for control or safety or, or things like that. Yeah. Well yeah, I know you talk a lot about just body acceptance and body friendship and I love that term, body friendship. I think it's so good and and so important in the work we do of really helping people befriend their bodies. So I would love, I guess first, to even just hear kind of from you like what that phrase means to you, like what body friendship
1: and befriending your body, what that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really mean it like quite literally. And yeah. so when I explain it to people, I often will use just the example of like, think about like some of your best friends. And mm. as you sit there and think about mm. them, and I'm thinking of some of mine right now, I love them intensely. Mm. I enjoy spending time with them. I have such great connection with them. But like, let me tell you that if we get down to the nitty-gritty, they also annoy me, right? They're not everything yeah. that I want them to be all the time. They are human. They are living, growing beings as well. And so sometimes they really get on my nerves. Sometimes they disappoint me. Sometimes mm. they don't do what I think that they should, or that I want them to, or that would make me feel best. And they will say the same thing about me, right? Again, because We're human, and the objective Mm -hmm. in our friendships isn't perfection, it's connection. And so, when I talk Mm -hmm. to people about befriending their bodies, what I'm really saying is, like, look, it's at least all we know, right? All we can prove here is it's you and your body in this life. It's just you and it, or you and her, or you and them, whatever you'd like to define your body as. And it's the two of you. And until you die, you either gonna learn you're either gonna learn to befriend each other and be in connection with each other or constantly be in this controlling power struggle, disappointment, you know enemies sort of experience. And nobody wants that. Mm. You know, I, (laughs) in my personal life, I don't have friends like that. If we're not Mm -hmm. actually really close friends and working towards connection, it doesn't mean I love everything about you. It doesn't mean like, could you stop texting me at 2 a.m. because you just got home, but I'm sleeping because I have three kids. Like, no, but I still love you. And I'm still really excited that you're a part of my (laughs) life. And so we're going to work through those little annoyances and the ways that I don't quite like the way you show up because I know you're doing the same thing for me and we're just trying our best to, um, this is a Ram Dass quote, but it's one of my favorites, which is Mm. we're all just walking each other home. And so I think about that with my friendships, but I also think about that with my body, Mm. my body in this life is walking me home and I'm walking at home and we have this relationship in tandem together Mm. the same way I have with my husband, my partner. And my friends. And so we are walking each other home. We are Mm -hmm. in this relationship together, getting us from point A to point Z. And in doing that, it's really about the connection that we make And so that's what I like to focus on. And that's what I talk about in friendship. I'm real. I'm practical. You're never going to like everything about Mm -hmm. your body. You don't have to think it's the most perfect thing. There's always going to be someone who wishes they were taller or their thighs were smaller or their arms were stronger or their hair was a different color. And there's always there's always gonna be something we wish that we could change. Maybe our bodies don't function the way we'd like to, right? This can get really like serious when we think about chronic illness and disease and how we mm. connect with and befriend our bodies even in those moments. Yeah. And I'm not saying that some people don't have it harder than others and being able to do that. But what I am saying is, Making a friendship and creating that connection is something that's going to be so much more powerful and beneficial than the destruction, the dissonance, and the disconnect that we so often experience in our culture, specifically around weight Mm. and body size, which then gets us into the diet and fitness industry as a whole and the way that most people look at and connect or disconnect with their bodies. And so for me, I'm teaching body friendship because I'm working with women day in and day out, helping them to really treat their bodies the way that they would a friend, which again, is not to expect perfection, but still to cultivate that deep connection with their body. Gosh, I love that. And I feel like that phrase is going to stick with me a lot.
0: Like it's not about perfection. It's about connection. And I think that's so true. Like you mentioned the comparison with friendships, like whether it's, you know, your partner, your husband, your best friend, like your even like family, it's like expecting, like we don't expect perfection out of them. And, and if there are seasons where we do find ourselves expecting that, um, it can be like a good wake up call too, but knowing like, okay, if I don't expect perfection out of these people in my life that are so important to me, why do I expect perfection out of my body? Um, which, why do you like, even just thinking about that, like the standard that we can so easily place on our body to kind of, in, in my opinion, like be perfect. Like, I think In thinking about dieting and fitness and and weight loss and all of that, it's like I think people are chasing this perfect body, and maybe that's not exactly how they would word it, but I think a lot of people are chasing this perfect body. Why do you think
1: that there is this pressure on us? Well, first of all, it's presented. Well, I think there's this pressure on us. Okay, I'm gonna back up. Pressure on us because of capitalism. Okay. Yeah. But I'll back up and say that it starts with this idea of what is presented to us is perfection, right? And it's cu- it, It's curated. Yeah. yeah. It's curated perfection. Nobody mm-hmm. looks the way that people are looking in their airbrushed, hyper-filtered... Uh, like perfectly again curated Instagram feeds or mm-hmm. magazine spreads or, you know, anything that's that's not actually mm-hmm. what people look and live like. It's only what we see. So, first of all, we're presented with the idea that perfection is not only something that is attainable, but something that that should be pursued, right? Like it is the way mm-hmm. we should be. Yeah. And then, right on the back of that, and because of that, it's like a cycle, we're sold. Solutions to be able to attain this perfection. Mm. So it creates this like vicious cycle of like, oh, you don't like your complexion. We've got a cream for that. Oh, like you're actually mm-hmm. a human who's aging because like you've lived a life. Well, you know, we've got, yeah. you know, some sort of laser treatment for that. There's always something to be sold because there's money to be made. And then we see the Like, so Mm -hmm. you see this idea of perfection and the underlying theme is you're not there yet, but you could be just by this, right? Like just throw your money at this and you could have this perfect life and these perfect outcomes from these perfect ads and appearances that we're selling you. And so I think we've just been conditioned, groomed, really. I think we've been groomed since birth to believe that perfection is something one that's attainable, I mean, people will say the trite, like nobody's perfect, but at the end of the day, everyone is selling us this pursuit of perfection. And so we've Mm -hmm. been groomed to believe that it's possible. We've been groomed to believe that the way we get there is by hard work, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and throwing our money at the situation and buying products and uh, doing whatever we can to participating in programs, like doing whatever we possibly can to get to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of perfection. It's not real. It's all a guys, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're in this matrix Mm. of, Oh yeah, you can get it. Just do all these things to get it. And we'll keep dangling the carrot, just a little further out of reach until you die. And then we'll go to the next generation and do it to them. Like, that's really why I think we as a culture are pursuing perfection and the Mm. greatest target market is women. We have the highest standards for not aging, for not gaining weight, for having, you know, quote unquote, yeah. bouncing back after pregnancy, for maintaining youthful mm-hmm. appearance and bodies. And so the, I work predominantly with women. And so mm-hmm. that's yeah. why I'm speaking to this or the, or people who identify as women. And it's just this idea of perf- mm-hmm. perfection is what is expected yeah. of us. And so we'll pursue it at all costs, even to our detriment, even to our harm. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you're so right with all of that. And I think
0: what happened, it's like this false sense of perfection that we're sold. Cause it's kind of like you talked about with like the carrot and they're like slowly dangling it further and further away of like, okay, well, if you just try this cream or take this supplement or get this, like, you know, surgery or do this or do that, then you'll be perfect. But then that's where all of these things can be such a slippery slope because perfection it's like this mirage. We never actually reach it, but we think like, okay, let me do the next thing, the next thing, next thing. And I think with all of that, it's getting to this point of realizing, like you talked about with befriending your body, perfection isn't attainable. So how can I take myself out of this pursuit of perfection and actually work to befriend my body and all, all that it has? like? and all it's like wrinkles and stretch marks and just the way it changes as we age and knowing like, it's okay. And you can get to a point of befriending it. And like you mentioned, still, like, I think, you know what I see so oftentimes with body image work is people think like, okay, to be able to accept my body that means I have to just be so content with it every single day. And I don't think that's the truth because we'll all have days where we're like, okay, well, I don't love the way that this looks or I don't, I wish my hair was different or my eyes or whatever it may be. But knowing like, how can you still have those thoughts and befriend your body anyway and take care of it that day anyway, instead of running to, you know, the latest quick fix. So then, cause I'm thinking too about people mm-hmm. listening who are yeah. like, oh my gosh, like I resonate with that. Like I'm trying to achieve perfection. I'm trying to reach this like unattainable goal So then how do I work to move away from that and towards like body acceptance and body friendship? And what would be like, and even thinking about, cause I know that's like, okay, well that's like months and months of work for sure. But even just thinking about like the surface of like, if someone Mm -hmm. is really working to like, okay, I want to start like taking myself out of that lane of trying to achieve perfection and move closer to accepting and befriending my body. Like what would even be some of those like, first few like start here kind of things, knowing that it's also so individualized, but just kind of general.
1: Yeah, it is so individualized. So this is gonna be like a two-sided coin here, but one, we've got to normalize- bodies, like all bodies. So, and, and again, this isn't just about bodies. Yeah. I yeah. have written a blog post before and I've shared candidly, I have rosacea and I do. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I, and I acquired it just a year ago. So <laughs> if I had to work through, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my complexion and my face looks entirely different than it has in the past. And, and how do I navigate this? Right? So it can't, it's not necessarily just bodies. Some people have alopecia mm-hmm. and begin losing their hair or people have eczema or other skin conditions that, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not just weight, right? It's not just size. This works for anything. That's advice that I'm going to give, which is ultimately we've got to broaden the scope of what we see as normal because social media is not going to do it for us. Television isn't going to do it for us. There might be the one token fat woman, right? There might Mm -hmm. be the one token person who has some like, you know, acne. There might be like the one person in a Mm -hmm. sitcom or... Or on a show or like somewhere featured in a yeah. in a magazine spread who has body hair. But <laughs> in general, social media is going to give us and all media really is going to give us this one one mm. type of person and it's all this "quote unquote perfect airbrushed refined culturally acceptable ideals of what a person should be yeah. look act like. And so if we want to begin accepting ourselves, we have to broaden the scope of what's normal, right? Cause then we can mm. see ourselves in that, right? It's a bodies. Mm. Let's talk about body size. There's a range of normal body sizes, all different sizes of bodies, mm. all different physical abilities, all different skin colors, right? All different cultures. There's all different hair colors. Some people have freckles. Some people don't. Some people have acne or rosacea. Some people don't. There's Mm. just this vast array of humanity. And we only see one specific type over and over again. So if we want to work on normalizing our bodies are feeling like we're a part of the mass instead of an outlier of the one. What we have to do is we have to start expanding what we see, which means purposefully curating our visual world to allow for a range of body types, body sizes, physical abilities, uh, again, complexions, gender representation, right? And what that looks like, there's so many different things where we can broaden the scope of what is normal. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say the flip side of that coin is we have to look at ourselves more than we're looking at our Instagram feeds or we're looking at the ads on TV or we're looking at you know the actors and actresses that we see, the people in pop culture. We've got to look at ourselves too. So yes, mm-hmm. we've got to broaden the range of all these other people in our curated visual mm-hmm. world, but we also have to just like stand in front of a mirror and be like, This is a body. This is my body. It's normal. Bodies look like this. The same way we're looking at other people and broadening that range, we have to insert Mm -hmm. ourselves into the mix of what is normal in order to really begin to start seeing ourselves as a part of a group instead of an outlier to the one way of acceptable being. Because it's not really true. It's all just a facade, but it's what we've been taught. And so we constantly will look at ourselves like, I don't mm. fit. So I need to change myself in order to fit instead of, mm. oh, I fit because everybody fits. We're all humans. We're all a part of this yes. this diverse and beautiful group mm-hmm. of humanity. And so if we can look at it like that, that's going to be kind of like the number one shift that has to be made. We have to see ourselves as a part of the whole instead yes. of a separate
0: yeah, that's so important. And I I think that's such a good place for people to start. Cause I think, you know, if we're looking through our Instagram feeds and the magazines we're reading and what we're watching on TV, and we only see one body type, one person represented. And like you mentioned, maybe there's that token person that doesn't fit in with that group, but still we're seeing like, okay, well, that's what bodies look like. That's the size, that's how they look, shape, et cetera. Then it's easy to make ourselves try and fit into that Um, or think that we, you know, something's wrong with our body if it doesn't. Um, And I think the more we expand and see like, okay, there's so many different shapes and sizes out there. And I mean, like we've talked about with social media and magazines and I mean, probably even TV too. A lot of it is so edited and, you know, all the crazy things that people photoshopped and, and all the things people do to, to images. So it's like, we might not even be seeing what we think. Like if we were to see that person in real life versus see them on an Instagram, you know, picture, it's so different. Um, So just seeing like, yeah, when I'm scrolling, what does my feed look like? And even like we talked about at the beginning, like what, how Instagram, social media, TV, just the media in general, how that's impacting your own journey to befriending your body. Like, okay, do I need to put boundaries there? Maybe do I need to step away mm-hmm. from social media or do I need to like be more mindful about like what magazines I pick up to read or what TV shows I watch? Because um, I think sometimes with that, we don't even realize what we're absorbing there. Like when we're watching TV shows or when we're scrolling Instagram, but then over time it, it does start to like impact us. Cause then like you mentioned with looking at yourself, then we see ourselves in the mirror and in the back of our head, we're kind of like rolling the script of like, well, she looked like this on her beach vacation or this happened, or this is what they look like. And it's so easy to compare ourselves to that. Um, and so then even thinking about like right. people spending more time, just like looking at their body. Cause I know that can be uncomfortable. Like there's probably people listening who are like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to do that." Um mm-hmm. what do you think helps with that? Like in terms of people kind of like challenging people to spend more time in front of the mirror looking at themselves but doing so in a way that like helps their journey instead of it's almost like navigating all the the hard thoughts that could come up but trying to be yeah. stronger than them and trying to talk back to them. But yeah, how how could someone like work to do that challenge knowing that it it probably is hard for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And I'll say it's not even just looking at yourself in front of a mirror. It could be, uh, taking pictures of yourself. And I mean, for your eyes only, if that's, if that's what you want or creating a private Instagram Mm. where it's just for you, you don't have to have any followers, but you're able to collect imagery of, of you and yourself. and your body. And I always tell my clients, let's get as uncomfortable as you can without being so uncomfortable that you quit. Right. Because we don't want to be to the point where we're so uncomfortable with this exposure to seeing Mm -hmm. ourselves and normalizing what we see there that we were like, no, I'm done. Like I have to be perfect or bust. And this idea of perfect, I'm saying in quotes, because what even is that, uh, there's no such thing. it's been manufactured, but ultimately, yeah. I mean, we can start simply. So if you're standing in front of a mirror, wear as many clothes as make you feel a little uncomfortable, but like not so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that you're like, I can't do this. I'm walking away. So maybe you're not naked. Maybe you are, but maybe you're not naked, but maybe you're in like shorts and a t-shirt and you're looking Mm -hmm. at your arms or you're looking at your legs. Um, if you're taking pictures, you don't have to take a picture of your whole body. Maybe you're just taking a picture of your kneecap and just like, going to be like, that's my knee cool. You know, like just acknowledging like, this is my body and this is who I am. Mm -hmm. So again, we can be as specific as we want to be as, as, as broad as we want to be as comfortable as we want to be. But the, the work is to just start doing it, to just start looking at ourselves. And then, yeah, I mean, to look at myself and acknowledge, that this is my body is the first step. But the next step is to, is to really begin to have curiosity around the beliefs that come up after that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's that it, it's usually not just, this is my body. It's like, this is my body yeah. and my stomach is wrong. And yes. I hate my arms and I wish that my hair was different. Right. So once those beliefs, those feelings and judgments start coming up, the work then is to get super curious and begin to ask yourself a lot of questions. I, Love question, question asking and curiosity as a tool for healing. I think inquiry is just such an important tool. We don't give it enough credit, but beginning to ask Mm. like, why is my belly wrong? And maybe the answer someone might come up with is like, oh, because it hangs over right here at my C-section scar or Mm. because I have like visible cellulite on it or visible rolls or because I don't have you know, the six pack or because there's hair running down the center of it, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the reason is that someone would say, okay, well, my belly isn't right. Okay. So who said, or mm-hmm. why are those things supposedly not right where did i get that belief and is it true do i know and what and and what of it right so let's say we have a c section scar let's say we have cellulite or rolls let's say we have body hair that we're uncomfortable with like why are we uncomfortable cuz usually it's not just those things we're uncomfortable about they don't really mean much yeah. um it's what we think those things mean do they think they, do we think they mean that mm. we're not going to be trusted as much in society? Do we think they mean we're not gonna get the job we want or the romantic partner we want? Do we think they mean that someone is going to think that we are lazy or you know add any of the assumptions we make about various bodies here, yeah. right? we can begin to dig deeper into those beliefs and why we have them and the then what's of our fears around our body not being considered acceptable or perfect. And from there, we can really question, is this where I want to put my energy? Are these the sort of beliefs I want to attach myself to? And if not, what are some simple steps I can do to start getting out of that framework? It's so much easier said than done. I mean, you and I are never going to navigate it clearly enough for somebody (laughs) who's listening to be like, God, it. Right. This takes work. I I work with clients (laughs) one-on-one for six months minimum. And we're working on stuff like this and we're, we're working Mm -hmm. and talking through all the things that come up about bodies and all the beliefs, because the truth is they're not just created through culture and society. They're created through our family relationships. They can be Mm -hmm. created through traumatic experiences we've had. They can be created through so many things. And so we really have to dig in there and just say, do I still want to ascribe to this? And then if it's no, the work is hard, Mm -hmm. but it is so rewarding to get beyond that and to begin to create new beliefs and values that we then focus on and that we then filter the lens of viewing our bodies Mm -hmm. and other bodies through. That's so, so good.
0: And I love that you brought that up about the question asking. Cause I do that so much with clients and some of my clients who have worked with me for a while can kind of tell when I'm starting to do that of like, well, mm-hmm. where'd you learn that to be true? Do you actually believe it? like, it's just helping them get curious with their thoughts. Cause I think we're so used to like having this thought of like, my stomach is bad because like you said, the way that, you know, my stomach rolls over my C-section scar and we're just so conditioned to believe that's bad. But then when we can get curious of like, who told mm-hmm. me that that's bad? do I actually believe that that's bad? Do I want to align myself with that? And a lot of the work that I do with clients is helping them get so clear on like what their unique core values are, and then seeing like, how did those differ from what you're told in society? And and how can you work to align yourself more with those? And I think that where that question asking and digging can be so helpful, because then I think what so many people will see is, okay, it's not actually about like the way my physical body looks it's about what i attach like the value i attach right. to that or the the narrative i tell myself because of how right. i look i love that you brought up to like family and trauma because i think that can be a huge role of like if you were taught from you know age 4 from your mom or your parents or whoever was in your life that you know your body should look a certain way that's deep rooted things that you've believed for so long. Let's say it's someone who's 30 something years old working with you and they believe that since four, like it takes a lot of work to unlearn all of that. Um, and I think yeah. that's even where- you know, giving your, showing yourself compassion can be huge of like, it's okay. If you even like still believe or, or want to like move towards believing the opposite to be true, but you still kind of believe like that the smaller your body is, the better it is. Like, it makes sense. You've been taught that for so long. We live in a culture that tells us that's true, but there's so much freedom that can be found in moving towards the other side.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that sometimes, again, this is where that asking those questions really mm-hmm. can be helpful. And again, it's not a quick fix or like an easy yeah. solution. It This is about creating new neural pathways in your mind. And mm-hmm. if they've been there since age eight, uh, it's yeah. going to take some time, but it's not it's not impossible at all. And it doesn't actually take as much time as we think. It feels long when we're in it, but it doesn't take that much time. So I'm going to change this example to not give anything personal away, but I'll say I have Mm -hmm. a a client and I'll I'll just use this example of um, the idea around like being a child, like you said, and being told that they needed a particular body to fit into a ballet leotard, right? So now... Mm -hmm. They're like in their forties and that, and that will, that belief will still come up. And I'm like, are you taking ballet? Like, are we doing this? You can, Yeah. let's look at all of the ballerinas who are in all different sized bodies, doing amazing things Mm -hmm. and showing up. Okay. Let's do that. But then let's also talk about the fact, like, are you taking a ballet class? Is this for you right now? Because if it's not, yeah. why are we still here in this place? And there's reasons why. And they're legitimate, valid reasons. It's the working through them and getting down to them, getting to those roots of those beliefs where we get to toss out what no longer even applies to us, and where we get to broaden again that scope of what is available to us. Cause hell yeah. If my 40 year old client wants to get into a ballet leotard, she absolutely can at whatever size her body is right now mm-hmm. and like kill it, you know? Yeah. Um, and and that's so amazing. Yes. But is that where she's at right now? Or is that old belief and experience really mm-hmm. keeping her from doing the things she wants to do right now, which might be pursuing a career change or, you know, being more intimate with her partner or whatever it is. Those are the things where she really wants to maybe show up, but this idea of someplace she's not even showing up anymore Mm -hmm. might still be holding her back. And to get to those places and to really begin to realize that is such a useful tool and getting beyond it over time. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's so good. Gosh, I could mm-hmm. talk on this for like hours, but then our <laughs> listeners might be like, okay, I can't do a two hour episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is all, gosh, so good. And I just know people listening are going to take so much away from this. And and really, I think all of this work with body image, like we both have mentioned how it takes time, but also can... I mean, even if you think of six months working with a client and if you've struggled body image for twenty years, six months really isn't that long. But at the same time, it can feel mm-hmm. intimidating work and it can be hard. And I think this episode will help even just kind of plant some seeds for people of where they, you know, need to do some digging to to really see what it looks like to befriend their body. So kind of switching gears, the way I yeah. love to end episodes is asking guests what their favorite food memory is because I think, you know, as a, as a culture, Mm -hmm. we're really taught like food should be black and white. It's good or bad. We're not really supposed to enjoy food or if we do, it's like a cheat day kind of thing. And So just, I love hearing from people what a favorite food memory is.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I have a lot of favorite food memories because food is awesome. And it's such a part Mm -hmm. of our like existence and relationships and celebrating. But one thing I will say, and maybe it's because I'm like deep in the trenches of parenting. I have a 13 year old, a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And so, Uh, I mean, I've had kids for over a decade now but yeah. before we had kids, my husband and I, what we loved, absolutely loved, we'd get like a bottle of wine and order mm-hmm. takeout and make brownies. And we would have picnics on uh. our bed and like watch TV uh-huh. and just be the two of us. And I often think of like, uh-huh. we need to do that now just because who gets that time right now when you mm-hmm. have three kids and it's like COVID yeah. era parenting, <laughs> which means <laughs> there's never a break uh, and there's no sitters. Yeah. But I think that is a really, that that's just a memory that I, I love is that season of our life where that was like something so fun because it was a way that we connected, but we we also connected with food, um, in such a fun, a fun way. And it's like, you know, it throws out also all of these (laughs) false ideas about intuitive eating, right? Like we can't do it while we watch TV or while you know, no, yes, yes you can. Um, (laughs) it's so fun. Um, but I think, I have too many to count around my grandmother. She loved to love through food. And so Mm. every holiday, every experience that we still continue to have as a family, even though she's passed, it feels like she's there because we'll use her recipes or Mm. we'll remember her way of being in the kitchen or at the table. And so, I mean, I I have way too many to count. And I love that you asked this question because... I think it's a really beautiful way for everybody, even the listeners to go like, yeah, what wonderful sacred memories mm-hmm. do I have with food? Like, it's not this bad thing that diet culture yeah. has made it out to be. It really isn't. And like,
0: we're allowed to enjoy food. And I love to, mm-hmm. and and most of the times, this is what I hear from guests is like, it's foods that, you know, diet culture would deem as like bad of like brownies or, you know, having wine and pizza and brown, like doing all these things yeah. that would seem like bad, but it's like, we're allowed to eat those foods and enjoy them, not have to do anything to earn them or to compensate for it. And and getting to that place of freedom with food is so possible for everyone. Mm -hmm. My husband and I are expecting I'm having a baby mid to end of September. So, and it'll be our first. And we're thinking through like, what are things we want to do? Like before we have a kid. So now I'm going to be like, we need to do that. We need to have
1: a picnic in the house. Yes. (laughs) I love it. A bed picnic. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And just like quiet and doing whatever we want without no kids are the best. Congratulations. I I mean, you know, to each their own, whether people want to choose to parent or not, but I love it. Mm -hmm. And they're so wonderful, but you do miss your quiet time. Especially if you're like an introverted loner like me, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I love it. Well, where can people find you if they want to follow you or see your website?
1: Um, where's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. At most places, you're going to go to Lou Uric, but that's a terrible thing to say because it's not spelled the way it sounds phonetically. So uh-huh. it's dot com. That's my website. And you can usually, Perfect. you can get to all of my socials from there. I'm also Lou dash Eric on Instagram and yeah, there's plenty of places that you can find me. If you can't spell my last name, just put loueats.com into your browser and it should take you over there. Cool.
0: And I'll link all that in the show notes too. So people can just click on (laughs) it. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode. Are you ready to master your mindset and take your health habits to the next level? We created our free method shop with those goals in mind. In our shop, you'll find our Freedom Journal and Elevate Affirmation Cards. Our Freedom Journal is a mindset and gratitude journal that will be the perfect addition to your health and wellness journey. Complete with journal prompts and reflection questions, this journal will help you turn your goals into lasting habits. Each journal page is broken into five sections. Affirmations, gratitudes, what you're learning, what you need to let go of, and what you need to hold on to. The perfect addition to our Freedom Journal are our Elevate Affirmation Cards. These affirmation cards come with 31 mantras, prompts, and encouragements to elevate your relationship with food and body. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash store to order yours today.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you.